What do you call two guys that were there when this happened? Back to return at Spurlock. Michael Spurlock at the 10. He's to the 20. He's to the 25. Or the 30. To the 40-yard line. We could see history. 50, 40, to the 30-yard line. Run, Michael. Run, Michael. Run, Michael. Run. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. There you go. And that. Shotgun set. Three receivers left. And here's the staff. And the blitzer is picked up. Brady underneath. Caught ball. Evans. He has the record at the 11-yard line. Mike Evans becomes the first NFL player in league history to record a thousand yards or more in his first seven seasons and won a throw by Brady. Congratulations, Mike Evans. Who can forget? Gannon looking again. Those up the middle. That's intercepted at the 30. Derek Brooks 30. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Derek Brooks, the most valuable player in the National Football League. There it is. The dagger's in. We're going to win the Super Bowl. Here's the snap. Mahomes running to his right. Look out. He may run. Mahomes directed. Oh, throw the end down. Battle intercepted. Picked off in the end zone. Bucks are going to beat the Chiefs. We're the champions of the world, and we still have a minute 33 to go. Devin White, what a great second season. That's it for KC. Bucks are the Super Bowl champs. They can't stop the clock. We call them the Salty Dogs. Welcome into the Salty Dogs podcast, and welcome back. We're yep. back after Hello. a long delay. That other voice you hear is... I'm Jeff Ryan, and, and we're back. And I've I never felt like we left. And we're the Salty Dogs? We are. And we're a little... Still. I'm very salty. Well, I think today, we're. Right? I heard that. I yeah. think we're a little out of practice with our intro there, though. That's all right. Well, we, we, it's like anything else. This is our preseason. Exactly. In fact, we are in training camp. We are. We are four days into practices. No. Yes, four days into practices. Mm-hmm. Next day is the day off. Yay. Uh, this Tomorrow. Is our, this is yes. our first salty dogs of the season. We'll, we'll try to get it done pretty much every week. Never yep. know. There could be a blank once in a while. Yeah, we're going to try to do every week. Maybe and we, the only one is the bye week. Maybe hope to have hope to have a guest every week. And this week we are starting off with a guest we're very excited about. Rookie, undrafted rookie wide receiver Devin Tompkins yep. of Utah State, who took uh, mini camp and OTAs by storm. We're going to find out if it's still going well for him now. Yeah. Find out a little bit more about him. him. Jeff told me. Jeff tells me he's got some interesting questions that I won't see coming. So nope. I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to throw you for a loop. Before All right, it's over with. But before that, let's get caught up in everything that's going on with the Buccaneers because that's the point yep. of the Salty Dogs. Let's podcast. do it. Every now and then we get some tangents here and there, but uh-huh. that's the main point. I'm focused. Um, obviously, the biggest news is the type of training camp news you do not want. No. And it happens somewhere around the league, a couple of places every year. You don't want it to be us. I don't remember that happening the last two years. Like I think of. I think last year I remember Baltimore getting all their running backs injured out for the season before right. the season even started. Right. Well, uh, the the merry-go-round has stopped on us this time, yeah. and the Buccaneers have lost Pro Bowl center Ryan Jensen for at least several months. Mm-hmm. Potentially we'll find out in a couple of days whether he can make it back or not for the season, but it certainly will not be a surprise if we find out he's done for the year. Yeah, uh, Coach made a comment that he thought – the earliest was November. November or December. Yeah. But he said we'll see if that can happen. Correct. So that and it's too bad because it was it was kind of a freak accident, really. It, that's that's freak how they play. happen. That's yeah. how they happen. It was just I think two guys got tangled up. Yep. yep. And that's and, and the body the part moves way. the wrong way, you land the wrong way, and that's that. And it doesn't it wasn't really even a very rugged drill. I was no, watching it. I, it was they they were running a move the ball drill down the field. It was the last period of practice, probably only about ten plays left after that. And the the linemen, you know, they're really they're not wearing pads yet. They're not really bashing each other, but they do run into each other. And it wasn't even really hard contact. It right. Just, it was a fluke. Yeah, and it's and he's a great guy and he's a big leader. On well, the that's offense. the thing. That's that's what really hurts. I like what Rob, so now Robert Hainsey yep. and Nick Leverett are the two primary guys 
competing for the job now because it is open. And, uh, you know, Coach has been asked several times if the Bucks might look elsewhere outside because over the last three years, basically, when the Bucks have needed something, Jason Light and company have gone out and found it, right? Yeah, well, every time. Yeah, so as soon as that happens, you're like, well, maybe they'll go go find some stud center somewhere. But mm-hmm. I get the impression the first thing they want to do is find out if if either Hainsey or Leverett is up for the job. It certainly sounded that way um, on Friday's press conference with, with Todd. It sounded like he was like all into, let's see what we have before we try to decide anything Well, that's else. why you draft a guy like Robert yeah. Hainsey third round. in the third round yep. and, and think he has a center and future, future at center. And that's why you develop guys like Nick Leverett. You know, mm-hmm. there are guys on – uh, on the line in the group that were originally undrafted free agents like Nick Leverett, like Josh Wells was originally an undrafted right. free agent. He spent the last three years as our swing tackle. I mean, that's great. That's it, it, He started in Jacksonville, but that's the development of a player, and that's why you do this. I, If you haven't and you have an opportunity and you want to know a little about uh, Robert, uh, is he did a press conference, was it yesterday? Yes, Friday. I, the days are all running. It was together. Friday and yesterday. Yeah, both, but both anyways, if you go to Bucks.com, it's on there. Awesome press conference. Really will get you a, give you a feel of what kind of individual he is and what he's capable of. Yeah, and I'll give you a little hint of one of the things he said that I thought was the most interesting part of the whole thing. Brian Jensen, like you said, big-time leader. Yep. Also, very aggressive, talkative, uh, to-the-line, to-the-whistle yep. sort of player on the on the field. And, um, and basically, as Robert Hainsey said, Ryan Jensen's approach is every time he comes out on the field, whether it's practice or a game, he's out there to prove that he's the biggest badass on the field. Yeah, he's the best on the field. And not everybody's like that. And Robert no. Hainsey said, I'm not Ryan Jensen. But I feel a little bit of an obligation to bring some of that attitude to the field. That's I, I think I need to do that. Yeah. It was very – a lot of the stuff he said was very introspective and heartfelt, and you could tell he was not giving you cliche answers. He was really kind of unpacking it a little bit. Yeah, he, he – um he certainly has been working on his craft, and that, I think, may, might be the difference for him. Um, I felt bad for Ryan, of course, but also there, uh, was, there was a reporter from The the Ringer that was here, yeah. uh, Nora Princiati, and she came here specifically to interview to do, Ryan Johnson oh, that wow. day. And it was going to happen. It was set up, but sure. obviously it didn't happen after the interview. Wow. You know, a lot of these places are making the training camp rounds. I know yeah. they are because I listen to their NFL yeah. podcasts. Yeah, they're com- um, yeah, NFL uh, uh, serious NFL channels coming here. NFL Network was here today. Yep. With Scott Hansen. That's because it's Welcome Back Saturday yeah. or whatever it's called. Well, uh, t- back together. I don't I, I think, think it's back together. I think it's got something on Saturday. Back together. Yeah, on back Saturday. together Saturday, but okay. not welcome. I don't think the word welcome. Oh, is we're not welcome. It's a little it's a little clunky. Oh, okay. It's the NFL trying to make yet another thing into a tentpole. It's not the tr- schedule is now a tentpole event, obviously the draft. It's not trying. They have. Yeah, I mean I I'm gonna tune into the draft. If I wasn't here, would I be tuning into training camp coverage? Well, if because it's your team get together Sunday, I, I well, if it's your team, maybe that would that no. wouldn't make me do it. <clears throat> Is it okay? So we we covered the bad news. Yes. Uh, the other big news, I guess you you consider Kyle Rudolph that had already broken the week before camp. Uh, the Julio Jones signing. Wow. It, and then just basically, I would say the big news from for me the big takeaway from the first four days of camp is that the receivers are kicking butt. They are yeah. putting on a show. Out oh, there. they're unbelievable. Uh, Russell Gage today. 
Yeah. Russell Gage must have caught 50 passes. We were standing next to each other uh, when he made that great The touchdown catch, which you said Tom Brady really threaded the needle. Yes. Because we were pretty much in the direct line of sight from Tom Brady to to Russell Gage. So we saw what, from the other end, what Tom was seeing. And and when that pass was like, I'm like, well, how can that get in there? And it did. And it did. And 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 Russell made the catch and got his feet in. That was the big thing was he got his feet in. He made another sliding catch right by the sideline, took out a trainer in the process. Yeah. he had a, I saw, I, between me and some other guys I was talking to, we saw at least five or six catches, and that's a uh, lot for one. Todd practice. Bowles said that no one can cover him. Right that's now. right. He said, I is, don't think we've covered him yet. Which is not good considering he <laughs> was the defensive coordinator last year and him saying that, so I'm sure someone's getting yelled at well, somewhere. The point is he's been great. It was a little bit of a concern because obviously the Bucks invested a pretty sizable contract in him uh-huh. in March, and so it was pretty clear that their vision was a, a three-receiver set with Mike and and Chris and Russell Gage. And if Chris Godwin wasn't quite ready for the start of the season, Russell would be your, probably be your other starter. Yeah, what, what, what amazes me with Julio Jones is, you know, he was always a buck killer. You know, he, he, just, he had fantastic games well, against he us. Has, he has more catches, receptions, and touchdowns against us than he has against any other team. And he has more of those things, uh, catches and receptions, not touchdowns, than any other player ever has had against the Buccaneers. Yeah, the day we, the day he signed with us, I was watching the NFL Network, and it was in the morning, and they were talking about players that weren't unsigned, and they said Julio Jones. Mm-hmm. And I, I, out loud, I said it. I, you know, I'm sitting in my office by myself, and I go, "Oh, he's coming to us." <laughs> and sure enough, he does because you got to give you got to give uh, our front office a lot of credit, boy. They they get it done. They they find a need and they fill it. Yeah, and I was saying, um, I was talking about Russell Gage. And I was saying it was a little bit of a worry because he had an unspecified injury he was dealing with uh-huh. during OTA's minicamp. And so you start to think, oh boy, here we go. Well, that and is he going to be ready for the start of camp? And is he going to be behind? Is, is it going to take him a while for, to work up some quote-unquote chemistry with yeah. Tom Brady? That's not anything to worry about. We know now. I mean, he hit the ground running, was not hampered at all, 100% healthy, and he's been just fantastic through the first four days. Yeah. It, it, I don't know. You, you start looking at, at our wide receivers, and then the crazy part is we were sitting in the tent watching Tom Brady, and you have to double check and go, is he really 45? Well, he will be in three yeah, days. In, yeah. But that's what I'm saying. When the season starts, he's going to be 45. Yeah. Zipping it like, oh, know. you know, you keep thinking, you know, somewhere down the line. I'm over that. I mean, yeah, I'm over the odd Two years after two years, I'm like, yeah, that's yeah. what he's going to do. Well, yeah, it's normal, right? So, yeah, so you got Russell Gage. You got Julio Jones comes in. How's he going to be right away? Right. He hasn't been with the team. His first, he, he actually signed in the middle of the first practice, so his first practice was day two, and he made a bunch of catches. Right. And looked really good. I think Jason Light said he looked damn good. Yeah, he, he his press conference was really good, too. I liked, I liked what he said that... Uh, you know, everyone's worried about what number he's going to have. Yeah. And I liked his, his his comment is, I make the number, the number yeah. doesn't make me. So he's in 85, which looks weird to me. Courtney Hawkins, yeah. back in the day, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> had a number of 85s, but yeah, that's right. That's that's real throwback. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, but it's weird because you see that as a, as a wide receiver, and it looks weird. And, and I forgot, you know, I was thinking they just went the – Wide receivers could use teen numbers or whatever number they wanted, and you brought it to my attention. Of course, you like to do this. It was what oh four when they made two thousand four was the yeah. first year that it, they made it so that receivers could um, 
be in the teens also. Yeah. And now it's much wider. They can be in the 80s or any way from 1 to 49. So mm-hmm. at some point, some receiver's going to come in and say, yeah, well, number 37, yeah. and then that's going to be weird. Okay, so. so what do you think the odds are, what number he ends up with? What do you think? Well, I don't think he's going to get his Atlanta number of 11 because right. I do think Blaine Gabbard is going to stick. And I don't think Julio sounds like he's he cares enough to, like, pay yeah. somebody for a number. Right. So um, I, I actually don't love this sort of speculation because you're asking me who's – Yes. Going to get cut no, that's fair. Because that's there's fair. some, there's at least one player, and in, yeah. in one case two, that has every number from one to nineteen right now. Mm-hmm. So somebody has to get bumped. Yeah. Uh, or the, he can just stay at eighty-five. Maybe yeah. he doesn't care. The funny sidebar: uh, Julio Jones is from Foley, Alabama, and I don't know if you knew that or not. But is the, that near Greenbow? Uh, I have not. The answer is no, because Greenbow doesn't exist. Okay. That's Forrest Gump. Oh, you, you don't know yeah. Greenbow, Alabama? Yeah, no, not there. Seat taken. Yeah, the only thing I remember is... Uh, Sometimes there just aren't enough rocks. Yeah, no. Uh, Nothing, none of this life's like a box of chocolates. Yeah, you that's went straight the only that. one I. That's the only one I know. So, uh, Jenny, Jenny, run, Forrest, run. Yeah. But he doesn't say that. Jenny. Jenny. Um, so anyways, he's from Foley, Alabama, and they have a radio station there. And the owner of the radio station, like called me a thousand times because he wants to carry the Buccaneer games. And, oh. and and he was the play-by-play guy for the high school team, uh, for the high nice. school team, and he sent me plays that he called of Julio Jones. Oh, boy. Classic. So they are going to be part of the Buccaneer region. No that way. Was, yeah. Alabama. Yeah. yeah. You've, you've expanded <laughs> into said, Alabama. I said to him, I go, I, I, I replied back to him. I said, yeah, we could do this. I said, but, you know, you're in for the whole season, right? If, you know, and he goes, oh, yeah, we're in for the whole season, so. So he probably is feeling optimistic that Julio's going to make an He's impact. very, very Here's, optimistic. So I was going down that, and okay. then you keep going off on tangents. I'm sorry. So we've got those two. I already said Gage. Uh, Julio looked good right away. I'm like an, an attorney. I call sidebars. Yeah, stop. Okay. Mike Evans is Mike Evans. Chris Godwin is not practicing yet, but I don't know about you, but I was among, I think, the majority of people that thought he was going to go on active PUP to start uh-huh. training camp. By not going on active PUP... To start training camp. That means the Buccaneers cannot put him on reserve PUP to start the season. Oh. That's the entire point. You, you have to put him on active PUP before they report to camp. So it would have had to have been before Saturday because he reported with the early guys because about nine right. guys who were dealing with injuries reported early. So he did not go on PUP, which says the Buccaneers didn't think in any chance they were going to need that option. And huh. when you go on active PUP, you still count against the 90-man roster, and you still can be activated at any, at any time like we did with Sidarius Hutcherson a couple of days ago. So you ask, well, then what is even the point of putting him on active PUP? It is to preserve that option of reserve PUP. But when you're on active PUP, there are certain things you cannot do with the rest of the team. Yeah. Like, for instance, you couldn't do the walkthrough. You're not allowed to. So if you want Chris Godwin to be able to do certain things – you leave him off the the PUP, and you you hope that he's back in practice in a couple weeks. That's incredibly yeah. optimistic. So yeah. even though Chris is not practicing yet, it's still good news. And I think having his presence is huge. And we're going to talk to Devin Tompkins. He's looked fantastic. Yeah. Um, we uh, you know, there's Scotty Miller, uh, coach first first Mike Evans yesterday, and then coach was asked about it today. Mike specifically, without being prompted, brought up Tyler Johnson said he's having a great camp and yeah and, and really so, has learned the playbook yeah that's what, what coach coach, coach was asked about yeah. he said he's, he came in in great shape because i don't know if you remember this i think it was last year 
he wasn't in great shape, and that was part of the story when he had camp. And every yeah. time that Bruce Arians was asked about him, he's like, well, he has to get himself in shape. And he did eventually, but uh-huh. by coming in in great shape, he's been able to hit the ground running. You still have Scotty Miller. We saw Brashad Perryman make, yep. a, make a, uh, and Cyril Grayson both make some big plays how, in the first day of camp. How, do you, how, many, how many wide receivers can you carry? i got to believe we keep at least six, especially yeah. if one of them, like Jalen Darden, we haven't talked about yet, right. is the return man. Jalen made a really nice catch today, really like skied. I mean, that's not a big guy, but he got right. out there full extension. Um, What's with these little guys climbing I ladders? I it's know. amazing. I think Devin Tompkins can do it, too. So, anyway, um, that's a lot of receivers, and I would be shocked if we didn't keep at least six. I would not be shocked if we kept seven. Coach said either yesterday or today, Coach Bowles, we're going to have a lot of receivers. Uh-huh. And I think what you're going to see – let me let me backtrack here a little bit. First year, 2020, with Tom Brady here. Tom Brady, can he operate in Bruce Arians' no-risk-it-no-biscuit system? Right. Can he still get the ball downfield? Yeah. Does he still have the arm strength? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, those questions were answered, and there were a lot of deep balls, a lot, a lot of big plays. Like, yep. I think we led the league – I think he led the league in, in, in big plays. Last year – a lot of our opponents, and they did this to Kansas City and some other teams as well, really pivoted to playing a lot of two-deep mm-hmm. safeties and just types of coverage that make it hard to get big plays. Tom Brady and the Buccaneers instantly adjusted, went to a quick pa- quick rhythm passing game, and Tom Brady led the league in, in uh, passing uh, what they call quick passes that where you get them out of your hand in less than 2.5 seconds after the snap. Right. He led the league in, like, every category – touchdowns, yards, and that's how the offense operated because that's what the defense was giving. And the numbers actually got better, and the Bucks led the league in passing. Right? Crazy. So they completely pivoted. I think you're going to see another pivot. And what you're going to see is a pivot with Rob Gronkowski gone, and yeah. I personally am, do not believe he's coming back. With Rob Gronkowski gone, you are going to see a wide receiver-driven offense. Yeah. I think you're going to see more passes, I'm guessing. I don't know this, but I haven't necessarily seen it on the practice field. It makes sense there would be more passes to the running backs, especially if Rashad White is good and he's looked good so far. Yep. But I think you're going to you're going to have more three receiver sets. You're going to have some four receiver sets, which we haven't seen a whole lot of. Who who can go on the practice squad? If you have anybody those? can. Anybody. Oh, that's right. That's that new rule now. There's 16 practice squad yep. spots. Six of them you can use for a veteran no matter what his experience is. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, we what had a, a couple, big difference. We had a couple offensive yeah. linemen the l- last couple of years that were like 10-year veterans on the practice squad. Yeah. And it's a better thing now because you have the practice squad uh, elevation option, which still exists. You know what I'm talking about? Explain. So uh, this was actually not a reaction to COVID. It was something they were already going to do in the new CBA uh, starting in 2020. You Every week, you can elevate – two players from your practice squad to make them active on game day, and then you can have up to 55 players active instead of 53. So you don't have to put them on the active roster, and they don't have to go through waivers. They just automatically revert back to the the practice squad afterwards. And you could do that last year. You could do that with any given player. You could do that twice, but you could also do more of them if they were COVID replacements, and it was unlimited in the playoffs. This year you get any player you can do three times. So if you remember – we had some injury issues that tied in last year, yep. especially with Rob Gronkowski yep. missing about six games. And what we, we didn't sign a guy. We didn't sign a fourth guy. We just kept we, – we would use like three different tight ends throughout the year, and we just kept elevating them on game day. And that is a new way for a team, A, to deal with 
periods where you have injuries at a position. And B, and I think this is the important part, it helps you maybe go lighter or heavier at certain positions in terms of numbers. So my point being, I think the Buccaneers should probably keep four tight ends and would like to keep four tight ends. Probably Cam and um, Kyle Rudolph and the two draftees, Otten and Keeft. But if they want to go seven receivers, they maybe could try to get somebody through to the practice squad, and then you only carry three tight ends, and that's how you can keep seven receivers. Or maybe it's not tight ends and receivers. Maybe it's running back and offensive linemen. My point being, you can actually use your practice squad as part of your real game day depth. Yeah. And, and and teams know that. And also you get 16 spots, and six of them can be veterans of any experience level. Right. So you, it opens up a lot of opportunities it made for a, everybody. It made a big difference last year. I'm sure you can remember this. And yeah. practice squads back in the 90s were like five players. Yeah. And it expanded through the years to now it's, you know, eight and ten, and now it's 16. You, I'm sure, remember when it was five or even when it was like eight, that, there was constant churn on that practice squad. Yep. You know, you might have a receiver, a running back, a, a defensive lineman, and then um, you get a couple tight ends hurt, and you go, we got to get a tight end on the practice squad. And so somebody gets cut, somebody gets added, and that happened all year. Last year, we probably had 10 guys that stayed on the practice squad the entire season. You, when you bring them up, do you have to keep them up for so many weeks? Or if is you that, sign a guy. You, okay. If you but s- if it's your guy. You well, it's actually if you sign a guy off another team's practice squad, right. which you can do, you have to keep him on your active roster for at least three weeks. Okay. That's so, that's um, the one rule that that I think. I assume, now I haven't. I assume that's still the rule. I haven't heard that it changed with all these other changes, but yeah. I assume that's the new rule. Other new rules. While we're on the topic about the roster, is you it was unlimited last year, but this year you have eight players who eight times you can put a player on IR and then take them back off and activate wow. them again. Eight. And last year was unlimited because of COVID, but um, eight's enough. Yeah, if you're going beyond eight, you got lots of problems. <laughs> yeah, <you got> problems. <laughs> and 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 they have to now. Last year was three games. They now have to be on IR for at least four games before you can bring them back. Right. So those are some changes. But overall, over the last, starting with the CBA, even before COVID, and then changes made because of COVID have been retained. There's so much more roster flexibility now, and that's good. And I also think it's nice for these players yeah. because if you consider 53 spots, 16 practice squad spots. Even without dealing with injuries, that's 69 players out of the 90 here that yep. are going to stick, probably. Which is sweet. Yeah, I mean, that makes you feel like you got a better shot, right? You brought his name up, uh, uh, Kyle Rudolph. Yeah. Um, interesting guy. I had a great conversation with him, uh, and he's huge. I have I mean, not met him yet. Great guy. He. Um, he's not as big as Gronk, is he? I I think he is. Really? Wow. Yeah, and he has a vertical leap and arms. Like He took one over the middle, and... I was, it looked like a video game because he went up and it was like just how fast his hands went up and how fast his hands Ooh, were down. That's good. Yeah. Um, well, you know, he's a veteran guy and he's been around and he's very excited about being here. And get ready for this. He's a really good blocking tight end. Well, yeah, that's that too. Casey and I on our weekly uh, Thursday show um, two weeks ago, Name I, brought, dropper. I brought up a list of um, show dropper. <laughs> I brought up a list of every Thursday at 10 o'clock uh-huh. uh, once the training camp's over, because right now we're doing it every Friday. Hey, lucky dog. Um, but uh, I brought up a, uh, brought up on the screen a list of five names you would recognize, tight ends that were still unsigned, yep. including Kyle Rudolph. And I was asked who I thought was most likely. And I went with Rudolph because 
I thought what the Buccaneers needed was a guy first and foremost who can block because yeah. you got Cam Brate. Yeah. Okay. You you needed a guy that if you're in two tight end sets with Cam Brate, you knew was a good blocker, and that, you know that's what Rob Gronkowski yeah. gave us. Even no awesome. matter how many yep. catches he, and then if that guy can also be at least a credible threat in the passing game, that's what you need most of all because you want opposing defenses. Not to know, okay, Kyle Rudolph's and he's going to, it's a block, it's yeah. probably a running play, yeah. or, or Cam may release, but he's, no, he can go out. And he's proven that. He has 479 career catches. Yeah. So, um, I thought that was the most likely guy, and uh, of course, that's not a genius thing or anything. And no. The, and then we did sign him in a Well, it's funny, condition. it's funny just speaking with him and talking to him, he kind of fits that, uh, the mold that this team is trying to do. I mean, they're all very intelligent. They're all, you know, they're plugging holes with a veteran, but just because you're a veteran, you got to be able to fit. Yeah. And it seems that, you know, knock on wood, uh, our scouting department front office really has been nailing everyone when they, when yeah. they get it, you know, or at, done least, it o- or at least on paper you go, oh, that's, that's good. They've done it over and over again yeah. for the last three years. It's crazy. I have told, I have told, you know, because let's be honest, not everybody that saw the Julio Jones signing out there in the NFL right. thought, "Oh, that's great." No, for the Bucks, there were, I'm sure I even read a few. There were there were some reactions like, "I, I think he's done." Yeah, or, I, don't, I think he's past his prime, which he may be past his prime, but he could still be if he's eighty percent of Julio from hey. 2019. He's, but um. You know, I don't feel that way because no. I, I have total faith now in Jason Light and the, and he, the head coaches and, our, and Jason Light's staff. They are nailing it every time. With he, these he's the guy that's going to make that crucial catch when you need it the most. I really believe that's going to happen. Mike Evans said he's hoping his presence means fewer double teams for him. Yeah. Well, sure. Why wouldn't you? And, I, you know, I also liked what Julio Jones said, too, is that if Mike Evans has 15 catches and he has zero and we win the game, I'm all about that. Yeah. And you know you know when a veteran player gets that way, you know they've been on a few team a couple of teams that haven't won a whole lot and it's not any fun anymore. It was funny hearing him uh, Julio question about Tom Brady. Yeah. You know, 20 to 30. Yeah, right. Because the Falcons did get good there for a while. They did. You know what? Seriously, I don't mean to circle back to the topic we already covered, but Julio Jones's career stats are amazing. They are. I mean, the only one that's not, and it's always been kind of a weird thing in his career, and I think it's just fluky, is the touchdowns. Like, he has a, a number of years where he'd have, like, 100 catches and three touchdowns. It's like Keyshawn Johnson yeah. that one year. With Do you know, what, you know what team really does defend him well, though? Not the, not the Buccaneers. No. No, but they're in the, our division. Okay, the Saints. Yes. Well, that's, they have Marshawn Lattimore. Yeah. They, for whatever reason, he struggled. He struggled. I, don't, I don't know if he's got a touchdown catch against them. Oh, that can't possibly be true. Jeff. It's very low. The number's very, very low. Give me I, an over-under, and I'll, I'll... How many career right. touchdowns Julio Jones has against the Saints? I don't know. Uh, under 10. You want me to look at it? No, up? I mean, 10 is pretty high. Yeah, okay. Yeah, five. you can look at it. If you're setting it at 5, I, you gotta go. You got to give me a half, like 4.5, 5.5. Uh, okay, four, uh, 3.5. I'm over on 3.5. Okay. All right. So while you look that up, I will move on. Um, another player I find very, very interesting. Well, and here's here's how I'll put it. I have a prediction of a player I think is going to have a gigantic year for us. Okay. you have any, any guesses? Someone who's going to have a gigantic year for us. Pretty young player. I'll just go ahead and tell you. Okay. Antoine Winfield Jr. I predict Antoine Winfield Jr. has an enormous year for us. Like possibly all pro. Okay. You're not going to believe this. 
Jones hasn't scored a touchdown of any kind against the Saints since they drafted all-star cornerback Marshawn Lattimore in 2017. I said that. So yes, but he's been playing since 2011. Yeah, so we're gonna see. I'm. I'm okay. Uh, so I was I was uh, opining on uh, opining. the on the uh, potential huge season for Antoine Winfield Jr. I believe that with Lo- the additions of Logan Ryan uh-huh. and Keanu Neal, and with Mike Edwards probably getting a lot more playing time, that um, they're gonna you're gonna see Winfield move all over the field like a like a honey badger like a Tyron Ma- he can be a Tyron Matthew for us uh-huh. he can do that in this system uh, I think Todd and and the other coaches are gonna get extremely creative. And they're going to try to make use of all of Antoine's skill sets. And the interesting thing that they said about him and his next, his, his, his next step in his development is that he is understanding better where his help is. You ready? Yeah. Three. No, uh Three career touchdowns ever against the Saints. Three receiving touchdowns. That's amazing. So uh, you, yeah, and I'll sh- I'm going to show you. you know, this. I believe you. No, 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 no. I, listen, I'm not right very often, but what I am, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to prove it. Where, where's the? From 2000. See it? See One, touchdowns. Two, three. So you just added them up in your head. But okay. I remember I saw something and I was, and you know, I was like, that can't be right. Well, he probably. He'll probably get some this year against the Saints because they pay so much attention to yep. Mike Evans. Yeah. Every time. It's sure. Who's, Lattimore's you? not going to be covering Julio Jones this time Mm-mm. because he's going to be covering Mike Evans. No, I, I am, I'm very excited to see Julio play for us. I'm very excited about Okay, that. but I, I still want to talk about Antoine Winfield. Okay, we can. Uh, so they said that Antoine, Coach was saying, we know Antoine's a playmaker. He's going to make yeah. plays. Okay, no He's going to get picks. He's going to get forced fumbles. Mm-hmm. He's going to get sacks. What he's doing better, the next evolution in his game, is understanding where the help is in our defense. And what that means is he doesn't have to – if he sees an opportunity for a big play, he can go for it, or he knows if he can go for it, because he knows that somebody else has it covered where he's vacating. That sounds like Rondé Barber. That would be, that would be amazing. You know, Give me you know, another Rondé Barber. You know, where you're go- you know what's going to happen before it happens, and you know when you can cheat. That's what Devin White was saying today, by the yeah. way. He thinks the next evolution in his game is anticipation. Yeah. That he can anticipate. He's doing better. He's, mm-hmm. he's getting stronger in the mental side of the game. And this is him saying this. He's been saying this since this whole offseason and now again today. That he's working very, very hard on the mental side of the game. And that he feels like his anticipation is going to be really good this year. So it's not so much wait, read, and react. It's figuring out what's going to happen beforehand right. and getting there quickly. And not outrun the play. Because yeah. he plays so fast. Yeah, on the blitzes, yeah. right? Yeah, plays he's talked so about fast. that too. Yeah, because he had a lot of quarterback pressures, but not only only like three sacks last year when he had nine the year before. Mm. Now, yeah, you're not a lot of teams aren't expecting any sacks out of their inside linebackers, but if there's one thing that Devin White does better than anything else in his game, it's when he decides to go into the backfield. Um, it's like he shot out of a cannon. Yeah, yeah. It's like he's. It's like boom, there he goes. It's it's one of the most fun things to watch on our defense, uh, and a lot of times that's that's because. If he has an assignment on that play to, to his assignment on the play is the running back, and the running back stays in the block, well then he might as well go in. Right. And then he just has to beat that running back. Yeah. Because he's going to get there on time. He's so fast. Okay. So okay. So that was my prediction for a player that's going to. I that's a good prediction. That's a very good. Prediction. You want me to move on to another topic? It's up to you, unless you're exhausted. The kickers. That one. Uh, good kicking competition right now. So they're alternating days. Yep. Uh, it was obviously the veteran got the first one. They have a field goal session. They start usually start about tw- from 28 yards away. 
uh, the alternating hashes from one kick or another because, yep. you know, sometimes you're kicking from a little bit to the right, sure. sometimes from a little bit to the left, backing up a little bit with each attempt. Ryan Suckup had, I believe, seven attempts on Wednesday and another eight on Friday and has made them all. Mm-hmm. He hasn't missed yet. A couple more a little bit close, but, but they're in. But, uh, they're in. That's all. Jose that. has been seven of eight both days. Yeah. The first day he missed one in the middle, so it was probably around 35, 40 yards. But he also nailed 49 and 51 yarders. Yeah. And then today he was 7 and 8, including a made 51 yarder. The one he missed was his first 51 yard try, which doinked off the right off. I was just going to say that was the one that doinked off. So they both look good so far. Yeah. I don't well, think. I don't think Todd Bowles is impressed, though, because he's like, yeah, they're doing good and they're healthy, but let's start putting them in some specific situation. Well, yeah, let's, let's, let's see when they're he, rushing at you full speed. He, let's yeah, see he, how you do. Yeah. Color me unimpressed is the way yeah. I, I get Todd Bowles' I don't know. Reaction. I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see if Todd really ever really gets excited, period. <laughs> so I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to, well, one to of the, that. I, I think one of the unfortunate parts of him being um, – promoted to head coach, if there are any. Uh, I, one of the players was mentioning that he doesn't talk as much smack as he used to because yeah. when, it was him ah. the, when it was him and the defense against Byron on the yeah, offense, yeah. he did a lot of smack talking apparently. Yeah, and, and so now it's all on him it's so all, he can smack talk himself. Yeah, a great <laughs> defensive know? play. Yeah. He might be going, dang. Yeah. That's not great for Well, that's kind of that's kind of how I feel about training camp after a period of time. You see a great play, and you go, oh, wow, that's a great play. And then you have to remind yourself, hey, you know, that's a great play against your own team. So that's why. be careful. That's why they all love the joint practices. And, yeah. and that's why we have two of them set up. Yeah, and hopefully I'm going to have to figure this out. Uh, I have to figure out how to condense equipment down to uh, pull off a salty dog when we're in. Um, you want to do what? Well, we should have plenty think, of time in the hotel. Yeah, I just have to figure out how to uh, to um, not have to carry all this stuff. That's what I'm trying to work on. So. I know uh, I know. some people on our traveling party are looking forward to that trip because there's a lot of good restaurants in Nashville. Yeah, yeah. Somebody wants to go to Manit Chohan's uh-huh. restaurant. From. Great barbecue there too, by the way. Oh, and then the Nashville hot chicken. That most places have that. That's very, very good. That's very good. I, I kind of, if we get a d- little downtime, I want to go see the American Pickers place in Nashville. Okay, I'm well, just going to let that go. I'll probably do something else. Yeah, I, know. I don't think I'll be joining you for that. No, well, it'd be like me saying we're going to go tee it up. Uh, Scott yeah, I would not, not be joining <laughs> you on the golf course <laughs> as well. And you're not coming to my fantasy football draft. Well, there's true. That's true. <laughs> At least we stay consistent out during the off season. Um, what else you got? Uh, well, I'll say one thing. Yep. Today was a little bit different, but we've been getting some pretty good, decent breezes at, at camp. Uh, you know, it's funny because it was very breezy and very nice, and then all of a sudden it got really, really hot, and Kyle, it, our photographer, said, look at the big yeah. flag, and it was just straight down. down. <laughs> and then all the little flags were You're also all, straight yeah. down. It was like, where did the breeze go? Yeah, we've been lucky. I, the first day of camp was really nice because we had overcast skies, so it hasn't been – I mean, of course, for us, we're not yeah, we're doing not what they're doing. Around, but but the pads go on on Monday, yeah. and it's going to get hotter. Big and day. I bet you it just basically mm. gets hotter next week because – the weeks leading up to training camp, I was getting I was getting a little bit dreadful because, um, yeah, temperatures full of been, dread yeah. because they, those days were just crazy hot. It still is. We still are having feels like temperatures in the mid nineties, so yeah. it's not like it's cool. You know, it's hot here when at nine o'clock at night it's still eighty six degrees. That's <laughs> <laughs> just that's well, how you know it's still. Hot. You know what? Um, it sunk into me one way when I was watching. We were doing the press conferences after practice. You know, uh-huh. coach and two or three players. Yep at a tent at the back of the field near the indoor facility, yeah. and there's a table, and there's a metal chair with slots. Yep. 
and that's where the interviewees sit. And yesterday, after about two players interview or two days, whatever it was that Jason Light was coming out, uh-huh. I'm looking at that chair after a couple of players that sat there, and it is soaked, and there's a puddle underneath it. Yeah. It's kind of gross. Yeah. I'm like, we should probably write, wipe that down before Jason Light yeah. has to sit yeah, down. We need to, yeah, we need a towel Which service. we did. If, yeah, it, if sure. it happens to hear this, we did wipe it down for well, you. You don't think about it because most of them aren't going to take a shower or anything before they come back. They're, no, they're getting off the field, the field, doing whatever they're doing. And Some of them were signing autographs. Yeah. Um, so uh, we've go. had good, we've had good attendance. There's been yep. a lot of people at every practice. There was a ton today. I'm looking for, um, it's military day. I like that. That's yeah. Monday. Monday. Okay. I, I always like that. I like how they do the and sergeant a, of arms thing. I, I enjoy that. So that's, that'll be uh, And there's a, a community plus. day and maybe next yep. Wednesday coming up. A lot of community uh, programs. It, it, I mean, we're, we're recording this on Saturday, two weeks from today. We're, we're doing a game. That's crazy. I know. It always this time of year. Well, it's five days to the first NFL game. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Five, something like that? Yeah, I the think NFL, it's the Hall Jacksonville of game and the and, Raiders. And Raiders, yeah. The Raiders will be an interesting team this year. Jacksonville yeah. could be interesting, sure. too. They'll, they'll definitely be better simply by subtracting Urban Meyer. I'm not sure how they figured that out because it's two new head coaches. So how I don't know why they picked those two teams yeah, for the uh, opening it's kind of crazy. It, it sometimes has to do with who's going into the Hall of Fame. Well, there's Did that. Tony Vaselli make it? Yes, he did. Okay, that's probably that's, why. That's what he is. So who on the Raiders is going in? <sighs> I don't know. Look that up. Know. Look up Hall of Fame class of 2022. Yeah. Well, if it's not our guys, if it's not number 20, I, I'm not really paying attention to it. Just, yeah, I hear you. I'm just throwing that out there. Beating the drum for that. Hey, you got to start, right? Someone's got to do it. Interesting. So we've been talking about the center battle, but right. there's also a battle going for left guard. And it is now certain that the Buccaneers will have a new starter at all three interior line positions. Wow. Which is uh, pretty crazy considering the otherwise amazing amount of continuity we've had. Well, that's if you would have said last year at this time how our offensive line would look this year, no one would have believed you. And we're two pro bowlers down now. Yep. Although I would say getting Shaq Mason in there, he has not made a pro bowl, but he's been a very highly regarded guard throughout his career, uh-huh. including last year. So I think you got a little bit... The talent, is, the proven talent is there. At left guard, primarily the battle we believed was going to be Aaron Stinney and um, and uh, rookie Luke Gedeke. Mm-hmm. And, and Stinney has taken a lot of first-team snaps. And um, Nick Leverett was kind of in the mix, but now he's, he's concentrating on center. The name that came out of nowhere the last two days, and sometimes it, it, these things may be a team – wouldn't want you talking about, but it's training camp and the coach. Everybody sees it, and the coach has been asked uh-huh. about. It, so I feel comfortable talking about the fact that the name that nobody saw coming, that has seen a lot of first team action at left guard the last two days, is Brandon Walton, who was an undrafted rookie last year out of Florida Atlantic. You were telling me about that, and earlier. he was a tackle by trade, but yeah. now he's playing. And there are a lot of those guys; they try to move him around. Sure, work best. I wasn't too shocked yesterday when he got some first team looks, but two days in a row. Yeah. I'm not saying Brandon Walton's going to win no. the job. I, I, it's still it's probably it's guessing an observation. Aaron Stinney, Yeah, but that's that says something. I mean, they're like they may think they have something there. Yeah, you know, or they want to. Cl- yeah, it's like you said, they want a closer look. But two days in a row, yeah. tells me okay. But the first day must have gone well. Yeah, uh, Cliff Branch. Cliff Branch. Okay, that would be the one. It's Who? Tony Baselli, Cliff Branch, Leroy Butler, Art McAnally. Uh, okay, Sam Butler was Packers. I don't remember yeah. McAnally. Sam Mills. Sam Mills was. Uh, Mostly Saints. Yeah. Uh, and um, Panthers. Panthers, but mostly Saints. Yeah. Uh, Richard Seymour. Okay, uh, Patriots. Yeah, and Dick Vermeil and uh, Bryant Young. Bryant Young, 49ers. Yep. So, so yeah, you got one, you got one in there. there. Okay. And Makes Jacksonville, 
I mean, we don't have Tony a lot Bozzelli. either. Right. We don't have a lot either, so I'm not throwing shade. But Jackson no. probably doesn't. Did they have any other Hall of Famers? I don't believe so. I mean, Fred Taylor didn't make the Hall of Fame, no, did he? I don't think so. J- uh, Smith, um, Jimmy Smith? Jimmy Smith, no. Keenan McCardell, former Buccaneer? No. Trivia question for you. Okay. How many, and and this was actually asked of me All by right. our friend and former Bucks employee who now is with Turner Sports, okay. uh, Tony Morreale. Okay. I guess Good. it's Warner Media yeah. now. Or maybe they got bought again. But in any case... He he threw this out to me after. Uh, well, I'm not going to say that part of it. But right. How many of the top? When we all met. How yeah. many of the top 20? No, he just asked me this a couple okay. days ago. How many of the top 25 all-time re- receivers in terms of receptions in NFL history? Top 25 in receptions in NFL history have been or are Buccaneers. Top 25. Out of the top 25, how many have played or are playing for the Buccaneers? Eight. No, come on. <laughs> Three. Four. Four. Julio Jones. Okay. <laughs> Antonio he Brown. He hasn't played for us yet, but okay. I said uh, was playing for us. Is. He's with us now. Yeah, but he hasn't right. played for us. Is yet. with us or okay. has been with us. All right. Antonio Brown. Yep. Uh, Mike? No. No. Um, Tim Brown. <laughs> uh, he played Joey for Galloway? Like, nope. Tim Brown played with us for like six. Yeah, one game. Why? Well, no, it was, but not even yeah. that. He got hurt like three or five yeah. games in. Yeah. 2004, I think. Right. With the ill-fated, all those ill-fated free agent signings that didn't um, work out at all. Hmm. <coughs> Who else? Well, I just said it. That's the reason I asked you this question. Y- your memory is that short? It is. Brain fog. Keenan McCardle. Oh, that's right. Keenan McCardell, who's now a coach. He's somewhere around 24 or 25 on the list. Really? Yeah, that's pretty cool, huh? Right. Very. You know, he was like a 12th round that's draft pick. That's a great pick. question. That was really good. Did you? you know that? He was like a 12th round draft pick uh-uh. back when the draft was 12 rounds long. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember when it changed? Uh, No. We, we used to, when I got here in 92, we were still doing 12 round drafts, and it was all day Saturday and, and all, all day, day Sunday. Sunday. Imagine yeah. how long it I takes to do two, 12 yeah. rounds. Uh, in 19- yeah, you'd start from noon and go to six to do one round. You'd do six hours. <laughs> it was taken. And then in 1994, yeah, because they used to get what? Did you used to get half an hour for every pick? Yeah, or 20. Well, minutes? yeah. Well, I think it was 15. Well, it's 12 then, now, right? Uh, first round is 10. Then it goes to five. I thought it went 12 to 10 to five. Yeah. Whatever. Add either or. It's fewer. It than was one. a long time. Maybe it is 10. Well, you know, you had to. It was hard to, you know, because it took longer for the fax machine to get that <laughs> stuff to you. <laughs> in '94, it got shortened to eight rounds. Yep. And in '95, it went to seven, which yep. is where it is now. Yep. Or maybe it was '93, it went to eight. '94, went to seven, but somewhere right in there. Sure. Seven round drafts are a lot better. <laughs> yeah. Baseball shortened their draft up a lot too. Well, either, but then again, you know, it gives opportunities. A lot of guys get signed, not drafted, so you can still get in. Yeah, I would imagine that if it had been a couple more rounds, maybe like our good segue here because we can move on to sure. our next I segment, like, right? I like how you're doing this. You're, uh, getting, you're getting this, uh, yeah, this I mean, podcasting down. I like it. Maybe Devin Copkins, if the draft was nine rounds long, would have got drafted. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead, and I'm, he probably had several options, uh, but uh, he's, a, he's a Florida guy. Yeah. So i got to believe that I had something I, to do with him coming down and, here. And I'm <laughs> going to tease this. i got some curveballs for you, Scott. The Salty Dogs. And we're back here on the Salty Dogs podcast. I am Scott Smith. And I am still Jeff Ryan. And now we are joined by our special guest of the week, and that's rookie wide receiver Devin Tompkins. Devin, thank you for your time today. Thank you for having me. You know, this is our first one. 
of the season. So you're a special guest for us. Okay. You're number one. Yeah, yeah. It right. doesn't just. It, we had to think about it for a while, and you yeah. came right to the top. Uh, so okay. we're we're, we're <laughs> what? That. We're what? Four days into training camp. Yeah, a little more are. for you because you're a sure. rookie. Yeah. Um, everybody always talks about the heat and getting used to it, but you're a Florida guy, right? Yeah. Fort Myers. Mm-hmm. Florida boy for sure. So you know, I'm used to this, and uh, like I've been out in the sun like all summer long. So. You know, I'm really, I'm really back into the groove of it. I, you know, I guess going to Utah was the difference for you. Oh yeah, been a, yeah, been in Utah for four years, and then I remember the first day of rookie minicamp. Oh, that was rough. That was was it? Yeah, a little bit for me because uh, even though I was back like since like January, you know, training for pro day and stuff like that, like football conditioning is, is just different. You know, what I mean, like actually playing football and uh, you know, being out there running through the plays and each play after play after play going hard for those like. Five ten seconds, you know, it take a little wear and tear on your body. You must have figured it out pretty quick because I don't know if you know this, if you read clippings or hear anything or anybody told you, but Coach Bowles at the end of minicamp was asked if anybody stood out to him, and he, he called you out and said you had a great minicamp and OTAs, and he was really looking forward to seeing you when the pads go on and cramp. Did you hear about that? Yeah, yeah, I heard about that, yeah. That must have made you feel good, right? Yeah, no, it did for sure. You know, um, it made me understand, like, uh, what I was doing was actually working, you know, mm-hmm. the way I came in and how I'm approaching everything. So, you know, I just uh, kind of – like, after hearing that, you know, I just wanted to um, continue doing the same thing that I did, you know, coming into there, just getting better every single day for real. I'm curious, was it, when you heard about it, was it through the media, or did some of the coaches talk to you about it? Uh, it was actually from my uh, my dad, you That's know. Right. He, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah my go. dad, he sent me the, uh, you know, the little thing, uh, the the interview he was doing when he said it and stuff like that. And, then, you know, all my family, they were like, oh, my gosh, like, you know, <laughs> what are you doing out there? How are you doing? And then. You know, I just kind of explained to him, you know, I just been doing the same thing I've been doing my whole life. You know, I've been playing football for this, like, going on 15 years now. So, wow. I mean, you know, I haven't really done anything dif- different, just gotten better. That's all it is. Speaking of your mom and dad, you're you're a big family guy, right? You have two kids, mm-hmm. is that right? Yes, sir. And uh, the story that we've heard is that it, um, your son, um, Messiah, Messiah. Mm-hmm. Uh, has Down sy- syndrome. Yep. And uh, you had him at college with you. Mm-hmm. Which is pretty fascinating. He would go to meetings That's with, his, with his with your son, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That couldn't have been easy. Nah, um, I had a good. I, had a, I have a really really great support system, you know, more than anything, especially out there in Utah. You know, I'm forever thankful for everybody that helped me a part of my journey. You know, and um, you know, having my son Messiah out there with me, uh, like every night, just being able to come home to him, you know, after practice or after a game and stuff like that. You know, it just, it just, it was always really comforting and like it helped me regroup and you know, and it like. Uh, gave me understanding like you got to wake up and you got to take care of him anyway so you got to go to work too out on top of that so it just kind of just put me in a mindset of you know just do or die you got to keep on going every single day so you know my baby boy was a big help in my progress for sure and you have a daughter too right yep Naomi that's my baby girl I I gotta believe that uh, when you're trying to make this transition to the NFL from college especially as an undrafted free agent that Mm -hmm. coming in with a certain level of maturity has to help and and you got to be there with what you've done already with your family, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, uh, my kids, they helped me grow up really, really fast. And, you know, even before them, I had to grow up pretty fast, you know, just in my uh, the way our li- my life was growing up, you know. And um, and it just, like, I feel like for me, the father role just kind of fit perfectly for who I am as a person, you know. I, I, I believe myself to be a very mature uh, young man. So, you know, having my kids, you know, I just felt like it fit me, like I was comfortable with it. And it was something I actually, me and my wife really wanted, you know. We wanted to have kids at a young age, and especially for me because, you know, like, 
I wanted I want to be able to like enjoy my youth with my children. You know what I mean? Like I don't want to be older and not being able to like you know play with them and like you know because I, I like to do flips and stuff like that. So I, I'm <laughs> teaching my daughter how to do a backflip and stuff. Awesome. So yeah. So in uh, your first preseason game, you had a ritual in college, and I'm curious if you're going to do this for your first preseason preseason game. Mm. You would write on your wristband your mother and your two children's names. Yep, I'm do the same thing. And tell us why you do that. Uh, like for me. So it's just a, like any time I'm in the game, right, and um, like say I have like a bad player, I mess up, I can look down at my wrist even before the game, you know, I look at my wrist and it just snaps me back in, like helps me understand like this, these are the people you're doing it for, you know. And then like even whenever I'm catching the ball sometimes I actually can like see it. So it's like it's like a little tunnel for me to look <laughs> at, you know, so it all kind of ties into together. For those, you know, it's a podcast, so I can't see it, but for yeah. those listening, he was holding his hands the way you would when the ball arrives. Right. So you're saying right there, you're seeing as that's pretty cool. And what it, are, what are your parents' names? Uh, my mom is Sonia, and my uh, my father's uh, Clarence. Okay. Did you, the circumference of his hands was perfect for a football to go. Well, right you would think he would yeah. be, be pretty I practiced. He, at I think that. he's got that down. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't need tips from us. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about you as a player now. Is there anybody for for our fans who don't know you very well yet? Mm-hmm. Is there anybody that you would compare yourself to as a style of player or anything like that? Um, I'd say Deshaun Jackson. Um, okay. You know, uh, he's, you know, a little bit taller than me for sure, but, you know, wasn't the biggest guy, but he was a deep threat, you know, and you wouldn't expect somebody that's that small to be, a, you know, a deep threat. And I feel like that's kind of how it is for me, you know. Most people don't expect me to go and jump up in the air and snatch the ball right. out there the way that I do. So, you know, I kind of I feel like, you know, that's the style of player I kind of we had him, We had Deshaun here for a couple seasons. Yeah, you think he's a Hall of Famer? I think so, yeah, for sure. I think he's got that one great stat. Yeah, he has the yeah. most, like, 50-yard touchdowns and most 70-yard touchdowns. Yeah, definitely, he's a dog. But being a Fort Myers guy, not Deion Sanders? That's, like, my favorite. <laughs> that's my favorite football player ever. Okay, you there. Know, like, yeah, we like, saved it. <laughs> well, I asked him to compare himself to a receiver. Well, that's true. Yeah. That's like, for true. me, I grew up watching Deion, and because um, in high school, you know, I played both sides of the ball. I played offense and defense, okay. like, every <clears> single <throat> down. So, I never really came off the field, and, you know, that's kind of how Deion was. You know, he played both yep. sides of the ball. So, growing up, like, that's all I used to watch every day. Were you a corner? Uh, corner and safety, yes. Okay, so what's better, a touchdown catch or a pick six? Oh, sheesh. I know my answer. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say it depends on the touchdown catch, but a pick six is always great. Is they're so rare, and it's just yeah. such a shocking play to watch because everything's yeah. going in one direction. All of a sudden, it's going in the other direction. Yeah, um, awesome. uh, we, we also saw the other day when they were doing some punt, drills, some mm-hmm. fielding of punts. I don't know if we've done any live punt drills, but feeling from the, the jugs gun, you were in the mix there, one of the people. Is the return game something you think you could do in the NFL and something that could help you make the team? Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, I'm, uh, like I, I didn't get the opportunity to show as much as I could do with the uh, at returning in college, you know, just because the way the situation was, you know, we had an All-American kick returner. And, um, oh, did you? Okay. Yeah, we had uh, Savon, Scarver, and, um, you know, and punt return. Uh, just, now, you know, I, I played, I understood I kind of played a big role in the offense, so, you know, I understand how that goes, but um, now I'm just more more than happy to actually get to display like and show that because like, I feel like being back there at punt return, you can kind of display your athletic ability a little more. How's it feel to come in here and go, hey, you know, I had like, I don't remember what it was, 140 catches and 1,400 or 104 catches, 1,400 yards, whatever it was, and, and 10 touchdowns and have Jared Stearns go, yeah, well, I have. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> really cool. You know, me and, yeah. me and Stearns, were always, we were talking about that when we first came in. We were like, Right, like it's crazy. Like every week we're looking at the, you know, who's number one. We're going back yeah. and forth every week, you know. So it was actually a uh, pretty cool, you know, just being here with him and um, like it's it to me it was like how do you end up with both of the? He had all know, of them. Yeah. yeah. Triple triple crown. Triple crown good yeah. scouting. Um, how's the playbook coming for you? Oh, really good. You know, it's it's way different than college, no doubt. Like I mean, it's a lot more terminology, just more detailed for sure, and um. 
you know, but like I'm picking up on it really well. You know, all of us, the rookies, we all help each other out. And then we got, you know, Coach Garver and Coach Thad, you know, they really help us out a lot, you know, with understanding what we're doing. And, um, you know, they will do walkthroughs with us just as rookies, you know, they make sure we understand what it is we're doing. So it's allowing me to actually grasp it really, really good. Sometimes if you were to come in as a rookie for an NFL roster as a receiver, you might have like one great guy that you run into, you know, like mm-hmm. go to the Rams and there's Cooper Cup or something like that. But you come here and it's Mike Evans yeah. and Chris Galloway and now it's Julio Jones. I mean, what's yeah. that like joining Russell with that Gage. group? Russell Gage, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's crazy, you know, I'm just like I sit here and I like, think about it like every day. Like I, I told Mike yesterday during the walkthrough, I was like, this looks like an ultimate team. You know, mad. And, like, you see like him, Chris and uh, and Julio out there together. I'm just like, man, like I can't believe I'm actually here, you know, a part of this. So, I mean, it's honestly a blessing. Like, the amount of knowledge that's within that room is, is out of this world. Yeah, I think Tristan Wirfs called it a video game the other day. Yeah, and it, it makes perfectly good sense, too. Mm-hmm. But you can learn a lot. Oh, they? Yeah. And they're being very helpful. Yeah, they're very helpful. You know, because everybody in the room is just really, really great men. You know, like Julio, Mike, like Chris, everybody, like, in that room is just really great. And they're, they don't want to hold that knowledge from you. You know, they want to give it to you because they understand, like, one day, you know, like, you know, they've been in the league for a long time. And sooner or later, you know, they're not going to be playing that much longer. So, then it's, it's time for us to step up, and they want to be able to relay that information to us. And, you know, one day when I get to that position in my career, you know, I want to be able to do the same thing. So what do you want to do after football? Uh, I mean, is there – Yeah. Uh, I want to actually travel the world and, um, like, study ancient cultures and hopefully make a discovery of them okay. one day. Stop for a second. At five years old, what did you used to collect or really interested in, Scott? What would you – I don't remember. That was too base, long ago. <laughs> base, baseball card, something like that. I don't have an answer. What were you interested in at five years old? <laughs> Wait for this answer. Uh, I actually at five, I used to love doing like a lot of flips and stuff like that. But I also loved like ancient history. I loved like in the <laughs> Egyptian five. culture and and uh, Egyptian history. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yes. Because you were fascinated with the pyramids. Yes, Interesting. Yes, very fascinated. Uh, just the way that you know the ancient civilizations, the way that they were, you know, especially with Egypt, like just the way that they were able to their technology, you know. And the way that they were so in tune with the universe and uh, within the earth itself and how they worked collectively as a civilization, to me, it's, it just fascinates me, you know, and uh, I want to learn more about that. And I guess I kind of like take the ways of the way that they, you know, used to live and I kind of try to implement it into my own modern day and times. I got to admit, Jeff, That's I great. did not think we were going to be talking about Egyptian history. I, on the I, I, <laughs> I like it. I do a <laughs> That's little. That's awesome. I, I know. I yeah. saw that the other day and I was like, just real. I know we got to let you go. Uh, but. Yeah, okay, yeah. but it, at five years old, was it just were you just looking at a book and you that fascinated you? Is I mean, I'm just curious yeah. how you would gravitate towards that. So actually, it was me and my mom. We did a project, and um, I remember I was on King Tut, and uh, we had to make <laughs> <laughs> we had to make like this little uh, like you know just uh, like you know a little pharaoh sarcophagus, you know, with yeah. uh, with all the stuff that comes on it. It's just King Tut's tomb in general. <laughs> and I remember uh, like I was talking to my mom. I was like, Mom, like this is so cool. Like what the like how did ha- like you know, how do they figure this stuff out? Like, you know, and then I started going back, like, at six years old, like, I remember when I turned six, I went, uh, I went on the internet, and I was just like, let me, let me see what King Tut's all about, you know, so I just started, like, reading all these different things, and seeing how he was, like, one of the youngest pharaohs, you know, and there's, like, a lot of different, you know, theories on him, and things of that nature, so it just drew me closer to that, and then when I got to college is whenever my, uh, interest really grew a lot more, because, like, I was trying to figure out who I was, and then within figuring out who I was, like, I was like, okay, well, like, I don't know too much about my own, like, ethnicity, you know what I mean, or my own, uh, like, lineage of my whole, yeah. or, like, my family. So I just, like, dove into deeper things and just trying to just figure out myself and, like, you know, 
what it is I I wanted to huh. know in life, you know. That's great. I feel like we could do a whole thirty minute podcast yeah, on yeah. this topic <laughs> alone, but really you good. have to get to a meeting, yes, so we have to let you go. But we very much appreciate you thank being you our first guest of the season. Yes, yep. sir. Thank you guys for having me. All right, thanks. The Salty Dogs. Final segment of our first show of the year. We're off to a good start because that was a lot of fun with Devin. Uh, and the best part is me throwing you curveballs. I had no idea that Egypt stuff I, was coming. Is that crazy? And then he just spoke with authority about it for like two minutes straight. Well, you know, when you're a child and you and you get to do King Tut, you know. <laughs> the only thing I remember about King Tut is, is Steve, Steve Martin's Martin song. I was going to ask him, like, there's no way you know yeah, that. Yeah, I was going to say something to him. Do but, you know the Steve Martin song? Oh, oh, by the way, we have a somebody new wearing the same headset that Devin just did. We actually have a second guest, and that's Brianna Dix, who's been on with us. We we did one of these shows yeah. before the draft, and she was a guest with did us. Did you notice she just waved at you? <laughs> <laughs> that's real good podcasting work there. <laughs> Definitely as much handwork as possible. But um, he asked me, this is how he frames it. He's like, what were you into, or what did you collect when you were five? And I'm like, it was just like blank silence. I, I can't remember what I was into yeah. when I was five years old. Baseball I mean, Devin, cards. Devin, I, did, I wasn't. I never have been. Really? Yeah. Devin, you didn't put you didn't put a baseball card on your bike nope. and ha- and a motorcycle nope. sound. I think what I was into was just running around the neighborhood playing sports with my friends. I think that's basically right. it. Do you remember what you were into when you were five, Bree? Nope. Okay, and you're quite. I basically a, did the same thing, just hanging out with friends, riding my bike down the yeah. street. And you're quite a bit younger than I am, so you don't really have the memory excuse that I would have. <laughs> so the reason that well, there is that the reason that Bree has joined us is because since we haven't done one of these in a while. We haven't been soliciting questions, which, by the way, if you want to send us questions for next week's show or any show, send them to uh, by email to saltydogs at buccaneers.nfl.com. Don't forget the .nfl part in the middle there. Mm-hmm. It's not just buccaneers.com. No. Because we want to hear from you, and we, we like answering your questions. But we only had one, and I bet you can guess who it's from. Our friend down in Brazil. Yes, Alexander Nascimento, who specifically... I can only say Alexander. I can't, I can't say his last name. I think I'm saying it, I think I'm <laughs> you, saying it right because he's never complained. No, you're very good at that. Um, <laughs> he specifically sent it saying, just in case you guys have an episode this week. Ah, <laughs> he's paying attention. So so Bree is filling in on behalf of Bucks fans and right. podcast listeners as our questioner. Oh. So she yeah. has prepared a couple questions this is, for us. This is coming to me as a complete and surprise. And I told her, I told her there, is no, there are no boundaries. It didn't have to be like, who's the best player on the team? It could yeah. be about anything, anytime, old teams, because wow. we've seen a lot. Yeah. So let me get Andrew's question out, okay. Alexander's question out, and then it's Bree's turn at the mic. All right. Ahoy, salty ones. Ahoy. Hope this finds you both well and rested. We are. I am. Well, I don't know about rested. I'm not rested, but tomorrow will be. Yeah, for day off. In case we have an episode this week, I'm sending you a question. If you both had the ability to be a NFL player and you could pick any jersey number, parentheses, no retired numbers, no position limitation, etc., which number would you choose and why? Since you did, thanks for reading. Alexander Nascimento from Sao Paulo, Brazil. All right. Okay. I, know, I know my number. Oh, go right ahead. 13. So you want to be a receiver or a quarterback? Uh, I'd be a either or. See, because he says... He said what number? He, yeah, I know. And he says no position limitation. But i got to yeah. say, if I'm if I'm answering this question, yeah. the first thing I want to figure out is what position am I playing? Right. Right. Okay. And then See, I did it pick the a number that makes sense. See, I did the opposite. Oh, that's I w- kind of what he's at. You did what he's at. I, I went straight for the number. 13. So you just like the number? You used to wear it? 13, I, 13 is my number because I was born on the 13th. Mm-hmm. And in, in I, 1913? 
1813. Yeah. It wasn't that. Bria was not that funny. <laughs> not that funny. Um, he's older than I am. That's why I think That's it's so funny. Um, 13. I was born on the okay. 13th. 13th my so 13th it's really is like my lucky number. Yeah. It's kind of egotistical. You're like, eh, I'm 13 well, because I was born that day. But, you know, people have a number for a reason. And my reason is I was born on that day, on that that day. Yeah. So I would, um, I really can't throw very well, but I can catch. So I would say wide receiver. Okay, so you're Mike Evans. Yes. Okay, the way I did it is I decided what position. So this question, the supposition here is that we have enough talent to be an NFL player, which is well, obviously not true. Talk about fantasy football. <laughs> but within that framework, if I did have the talent to be an NFL player, which yeah. I don't, the position I would want to play most is uh. cornerback. Okay. But I always played in flag football. I love playing quarterback. Right. Pick six is the best Because you like being very aggressive and batting things around. And picking up passes and yeah. returning them for touchdowns. Okay. It's the most fun to play in, in football, if you ask me. Yep, I agree. I asked that of I, Derek, and he, was not, he, he, he had a hard time deciding. Yeah, he was careful with his answer, but he did not deny. So anyway, I think the coolest number is 27. And I, so basically, I'd be Zion McCollum. I just That's think it's a cool number. Twenty-seven is like your coolest number. I think it's the coolest number. I, I want. To, I don't want to be. I can wear numbers in the forties if I want to, but I don't want to. Those are dumb-looking numbers. Yeah. Other than forty-five. Sorry, Devin White. Um, uh, but the twenties and the thirties are where most DBs are, and in that range, I think twenty-seven is just a freaking cool number. Right. Hmm. Speaking of which, what do you think is the best combination of a, a really cool number for one of the best players in our team history? The best combination of I'll tell you my answer. I think 97 Simeon Rice was cool as hell. He was a fantastic player, and 97 oh, was a looked, great number for him. It looked good, yeah. I also would say 54 Levante David yeah. and 13 Mike Evans. Those you wouldn't say 99? I, I was thinking Mike Evans, 13. Yeah. You wouldn't say 99? You wouldn't say 40? You wouldn't They're say iconic. 47? 55. I get your point. Yeah. They're iconic, but I just think 97 Simeon Rice was just a cooler combination okay. of player and number. All right. Those are iconic numbers. Sure. And Sap, you know, the storyline goes with Sap that he didn't want that. That's not the number he wanted. I think he wanted 76, Something which may like be that. what he wore at Miami. Yeah. But it was occupied, and the, the equipment manager talked him into taking 99, saying, just take 99 and make it yours, yeah. which, is, which is what he did. Julio yeah. Jones. All right. All over again. I like you're it. Up, you're up. You're up to the podium. Go up to the podium. Uh, no, actually, we'd be at the, in this analogy, you'd be in the seat and... Where the media sits and we'd be at the podium. This would be Or a table. All right. All right. All right. So first question is more in terms of personality. So in your years covering this team, who has had the most bold out there personality? Well, for me, I'd have it's to say sap, it's right? got to be sap. Yeah. 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 yeah you didn't know what you're going to get, but it was going to be loud. It was going to be fun. And depending on how he felt about you. I did a radio show with him for six years, and I would get stuff from him, and this was before um, Twitter and social right. media, that uh, he we would break news stories on the show. Like, he got fined one time, $75,000. I'm sure you love that. And he, he found out just before we did the radio show, when we sat down, he broke the story, right? I said, how you doing? <laughs> he goes, not too good. I'm just, <laughs> I just been fined, da, 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 da. And then, you know, the writers and everybody. <laughs> so he was, I would say, as a bold personality, uh, outspoken, not necessarily <laughs> censored, I would say. Yeah. Do you, are you familiar with the term locker room lawyer? No. Okay, it's basically somebody, a player, who in the locker room would be in a lot of 
I guess you'd call them debates or arguments, and sure. he'd be very good at making his point. Uh-huh. Um, Sapp was always, I thought he was the biggest locker room lawyer because, sure. A, he would do that thing where he got very loud. Yeah. And sometimes you can win arguments just by <laughs> sure. being louder than right. the yep. guy. Yep. But he wasn't a, just a one-dimensional, just be loud guy. No. He was very well-read or well-studied yeah. on a wider range of topics. And so you'd be like, he just, he would have information, and he was very bold, and he was very loud. I was like, I yeah. don't know how you beat that guy in an argument. Right. And that's, <clears throat> and I think that's where he's always underestimated is, is his knowledge. Keyshawn Johnson was a big personality. Oh, very much so. Um. You know whose personality I really liked a lot was Cadillac Williams. Yeah. He wasn't necessarily that outspoken, but the fun thing about Cadillac was, man, you know how, Bri, how competitive these guys are, most of them at just about every, Cadillac wanted to win every single thing he did every time. Like, and he, so he was a great bowler. He's very much like my very salt, stubborn. He's, yep. he's very much like my salty dog partner. More, but two two things. He was more so than me, and he also was capable of winning more things than I was. Yes. So that's unspoken. I, and I'm I'm not nearly as bad of a, a as bad of a sore loser as I was in my hothead twenties. Oh, yeah. I oh, yeah, listen. Be right. You're telling. We were telling a story about you today. Did it involve softball? No. It, 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 I. We were. We were talking today about being. I was somewhat salty this morning, you, you, yeah, and there were really other pe- and other people were making a comment, <laughs> and I said, "Well, I'm getting ready for the salty dogs and this and this," and somehow it got to the conversation about you and poker. Oh yeah, God, that story will never go away. <laughs> do you want to tell this? Do story? you know? I start saying now. You must share. Do you know much about poker? No. Okay, uh, you're from Texas. Do you yes. know what Texas Hold'em is? Yes. Okay, so you get the two cards, and there's community cards and so on. That's generally all the only poker that I play anymore, and sure. I haven't played in a while. But for a, a number of years there, on our tra- when we took road trips on Saturday night, we had enough people that liked playing poker that that's what we would do in the uh, in the away hotel. Sure. So you know, like six or eight guys, and uh, we just get they'd give us a conference room and we'd play poker for the night. Texas Hold'em. Well, okay. Your two cards that you everybody's dealt two cards down that you know what they are, but your opponents don't. And um, I had there we had a guy here. I, I think I'll leave him unnamed. That's up to you. But he was very aggressive <laughs> poker player, and he was also a crap talker when things went well for him. And um, he's a good guy. I'm not. Yeah. No. That's why I'm not he, saying his he, name. He's not a. He, he he wasn't fun to play poker with. He was very aggressive, and he would let you know when he beat you. Yes. Over and over. Anybody that's out there that knows anything about Texas Hold'em. I had, I got the old pocket aces, two aces. It's before the before the community cards come. Pocket aces is the best possible hand. Okay. He had pocket twos. He got dealt. I didn't know this. He got dealt pocket twos. I went all in, which means I'm betting everything that I have. Yeah. And if you call, that means you have to match that. And um, he called. You should never call a large all in with pocket twos. Yeah. Pocket twos hardly ever win. Right. You're probably going to need to hit a third two because any other pair is going to beat it. So just by itself, you're going to get more cards, but just by it, there's five community cards. Just by itself, pocket twos, they're fine to play, but you don't call an all-in one. Yeah. He called. <laughs> and he hit the trips. And I had an empty Diet Coke can that hit the wall. <laughs> I wasn't... I was not going to... Br- Alex wasn't gonna, Bonet will never let me forget I, that. I, I was not going to bring up the fact that that the, the, the can went against the wall. The can hit the and, wall. And everybody didn't say anything. And Scott, as the story was told to me this morning, 
and I've heard it no, numerous times, Scott left and walking down the hall mumbling to himself, and they all didn't do anything until he left, and then they probably the laughed their right. heads off. They did. They did. They did. But that was that was. Uh, so you, the guy who talks <laughs> all the crap makes a dumb play and is rewarded for it, and I got knocked out of the game yeah. obviously because I. Had bet all my chips and I was done. But now you would be an adult. You would just go, oh, nice play. Uh, (laughs) Uh, Yeah, okay. I don't know about that, (laughs) but I wouldn't throw a Coke can. Yeah, I understand. I used to also have a bit of a reputation for that sort of behavior on the softball field. You did. Well, you just—you were just aggressive. You just liked to win. And, and I you, was a sore leader. And yes, and you didn't like when people didn't try hard. You, that made you really angry. You know what? I, you know what I? You know what helps you? You're trying to cure yourself from being a sore loser. Uh, children. Exactly. Have a kid or kids because you start playing them, and you want them to win. Right. So when you're, you're so losing, your if you're being Al- a sore loser when your when my son Alex is beating me at so. Uh, Horse or something. At what age did you finally let Alex beat you? Well, okay, so you don't have any kids. Twenty-seven, yeah, Bree. <laughs> uh, you 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 go through periods. First, when they're really young and they can't match you in almost anything. Yep. It's the how do I let them win? Sometimes you yeah. got to figure out a way to let them sure. win. And then you get to that point, especially if it's like say video games, right. where they're as good as you, and that's the sweet spot. That's fun when yeah. you're both the same level. Yeah. yeah. And then it's fun. But even then, as a parent, you don't really mind when your kid beats you at something. Yeah. yeah. And then they get better than you, or at least in my case, they did. He and then did. you hated. And and now he he can beat me at virtually anything we do. Right. I mean, literally, except maybe writing a story fast. Right. That's probably yeah. the only thing. Yeah, it's not his thing. He's not. He's a physicist. He's not a writer. Oh, so he got the brains in the family. Were you the overbearing parent in the stands, though? No, like no, during, no, no. I, during I, games? he was I, the overbearing coach. No, 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 <laughs> well, I did do some coaching. I, I made a point of not being that guy. Nobody likes those people. No, yeah. they do not. They, they, no. they ruin games. The number, the number one reason that kids quit sports is coaches yep. that they don't like, yep. and the second one is is parents, parents and their yep. behavior. Yeah. So that wasn't going to happen. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure there were points where we yelled at the umpire. Yeah, my, my nothing, <laughs> nothing egregious. I had two brothers. I also had to umpire. Oh, that was part of the job yeah. when you were a, when you were a coach, league coach. So I knew what it was like. Yeah, I had two brothers. My older brother, well, they were both older than I am, but my oldest brother, he uh, really didn't care about sports, but he played it because that's what you were supposed to do. So he didn't care whether you won or lost. He just didn't care. Uh, my second brother, he. Um, was very very competitive, very very competitive. And when um, w- my team played his team in little league, it was the um, Mounties against the Celtics. I was on the Mounties, and we won. My brother was so mad he was throwing rocks at me, <laughs> and, oh my and my mom saw it, and that was it. He, so he also uh, got in trouble. He got in big time. Not only did he lose, but got grounded <laughs> and had to learn how to be. Competitive uh, to be go- a grace graceful loser, so yeah, yeah. that's oh funny. yeah, I was the ultimate competitor as a kid in anything with my sisters, really? yeah. or even now like playing with my niece in tic tac toe, <laughs> like she essentially will not let you win. Like if you go to try and put like a mark somewhere, she's like, no, Nina, you have to go here. And it's like Aubrey, I don't think you understand the premise of this game. <laughs> she totally gets it. Order people around. That's <laughs> yeah. how it works. All right, what's your next question? Who? is the most dominant player that you, in your opinion, have ever seen in the NFL. And on the Bucks' current roster, who do you think is poised to have the most dominant season in 2022? Well, Tom Brady, right? Yeah, I would say Tom Brady now. Uh, who did I see before that was a dominant player? Yes. 
I would have to say Leroy Selman. That's a good answer. I mean, because I didn't. I didn't actually see him play. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it doesn't have to necessarily be. It can be like highlights of somebody you've seen, or because, like, for me, mine would be Lawrence Taylor. And obviously, I I didn't get to witness him playing in the NFL, but just going back and looking at plays now in comparisons that players so, have had to him. I mean, I, he completely changed the game. Yeah. Well, um, was it on a Buccaneer team that you wanted, or just any player, too? Oh, any player. I, I, I in have, the currently, NFL. it's got to be Aaron Donald. Yeah. Well, yeah. There, yeah, yeah. He's right. He's probably the single best player in the NFL, mm-hmm. especially if you consider it over the last, like, eight years combined. Right. right. However long he's been in the league. And then, you know, I had the good fortune to see Walter Payton play. So Yeah, there's been a lot of good running. Yeah, so, so yeah, I mean, you just kind of – but but as a Buccaneer, Jerry just, Rice, yeah, I've seen that. Jerry Rice from a receiver standpoint, yeah. I mean, he, he was so good for so long. Sure, um, yeah, that's a tough. Question. Leroy Selman, he, I should I should look it up for you. There's a there's a famous quote from there was a Chicago Bears offensive lineman, and I'm not going to get it all of it right, but uh-huh. you might help, help me remember it. Um, he was asked something. He was asked about Leroy Selman after a game, and he said at halftime, he said to coach, "There are four things in life I never want to do." And one of them was like, I, I don't know why, but it was like, one of them was weird. It was like, I don't want to get buried at sea. Uh-huh. And he, two <laughs> other terrible things. Interesting. Two other things that were objectively terrible, like, I don't know, get run over by a car. And he said, and four, I do not want to go out in the second half and play Leroy Selman. <laughs> <laughs> so Casually talking yeah. about it. That's yeah. our first Hall of Famer. Yeah. Um, uh, also, incredible human being. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. absolutely beloved. You haven't been here long, but you probably have noticed that there's a – Highway named after him. Um, he went on to be very important in building USF football program, yep. uh, and just absolutely beloved by everybody because he was just the most awesome guy. And he and he, he, he passed away un- unexpectedly in 2014. Yeah, something something like, like, yeah somewhere around there. About age, but about my age. Yeah, very young. Um, the, the interesting part is he only played eight seasons. And uh, eight, eight, nine, nine. But he was hurt that last seventy six or eighty four. Yeah, no. yeah. He got hurt, at the but end. but for very little amount of time in that position to make the Hall of Fame. Right. That when especially compared would, to some of the yeah, the leagues and the tenures that people have correct, now. Correct. 90, but he was the franchise. Yeah, he was our first Hall of Famer. He also won the nineteen seventy nine NFL Defensive Player of the Year. Right. If you were arguing the best player in team history, to me it comes down to between him and Derek Brooks. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, right around there are guys sure. like Sap, yep, and Ron Lynch. and John Lynch yeah. and Mike Allstadt. But if you have to narrow it down to two, it's probably him. And, and he was our first ever first round draft pick. Leave first first, first pick of the whole first draft. First pick of the whole draft. Seventy six. Yep. Yep. So All right. Well, good. I think we've been here for a while. We have. We should probably give everybody a break. Well, not only that, but it's time for lunch. <laughs> so let's cut That's to the. That's what's really let's important. Let's cut to <laughs> the. He's chase. holding up his phone with. Yeah, the just, just showing you. Not that I'm hungry, but. And we only get a 15 minute window to get the window. <laughs> the window is open. The window is open. Well, it's that means the line is real long right now. Yeah, it's kind of like trying to win the Super Bowl for lunch. You have a short window of time to get there. <laughs> I did go in there and notice that the hot sandwich today is a blackened chicken po' boy. Which really? Oh my. Yeah. Now the question is, what did they put on it? That's always oh, yep. that's always the I'm, key for me. I'm very picky with my condiments. Are you? Yes. That, that's trouble here with I, the pre-made stuff. Yeah. Come on, we already differ about the whole coffee scenario. Your coffee, so, I'm yes. not coffee. Are but, you uh, one of these anti-mayo people? Yes. Anything but ketchup, I can't do. 
I don't do mayo. I don't do mustard. I don't do ranch. I don't do any condiments but ketchup. I can do barbecue sauce. I can do Asian sauces. But I just, I don't know what. And I can't do vinaigrettes either. Like for a salad. Yeah, you've told me that before. Yeah, I eat raw spinach with like cheese or like toasted nuts or chicken in it. But I I can't do salad dressings. And ironically (laughs) enough, the one branded item in a grocery store that is called Brianna's is a vinaigrette. (laughs) I have to tell you, (laughs) Brie, that to me... If you don't have salad dressing, you're not really eating a salad. See, I don't. You're use, eating a bowl of, of I, leaves. I I use very little salad dressing. Yeah. Well, but you use some. Very little. That's not a salad. And a lot of times it's not even on the salad. It's healthier though. And a yeah, lot of times it's one. dip it in on the fork okay. and then go like that. So do you order your dressings on the side? Absolutely. Uh, it's so annoying. It, no, because they. Put I do. Too yeah, much I can't do it. Yeah, you can't. No. You know what I do when I order something at a restaurant? What? I say. Give it to me the way that it is here on the menu because a professional chef put it together that way, and that's the way it is meant to be, and that's what I want to eat. Unless it involves mushrooms. I don't order it. You just oh. pick them out? I wouldn't order that thing. Oh, I see. Oh. Okay. I know what I don't like. I know I can't stand mushrooms, so I wouldn't order, like, a pasta with a bunch of mushrooms in it. I just wouldn't order that. I would order something that sounded good, and I would say, make it like that. But hmm. you're missing out on so many opportunities, though. You go home and make your own food. When you're at a restaurant, give the chefs some respect and eat the food the way they wanted it prepared for you. Except you're just like my dad. Except that <laughs> you, may, you, may, you may like a lot of what they have, but I don't want the mayo. Yeah. On it. I don't want. But the what cream if it's salt. the best thing on the menu and it has uh, the one thing that you don't I'm not, like? I'm not too upset about ordering a sandwich and saying, "Please." Like, okay, I'll admit. If I'm going to get a hamburger and it has onions, I'll say, hold the onions. Okay. okay. One little thing like that. But okay. the people that go and put, give me two salad dressings on the side, and I want to make sure that this is this way. I'm like, I'm ready to get up and leave. <laughs> but as we all should do right speaking, now. Speaking of leaving, so that's that way. <laughs> okay. Since you did, thanks for listening.